0: Amen. We always need the children's sermon no matter how old we are. We shall all do our best to be kind. So today, I have to say this feels very, very strange worshiping over livestream. We are not together in person, but we are gathered together in spirit, worshiping together even though we are apart. And as David said, we are all here for you, your pastoral team, the deacons, the Compassionate Care Ministry. We are checking in on everyone on the prayer list, especially people who are homebound. And if anything comes up for you this week, anything at all we want to know, give us a call. We can FaceTime, we can Zoom, we can make deliveries. We will all take care of each other in every way we can. We are finding a new way to be the church in these days, and we will do it together. This has been such a challenging time, and it has a feeling of unreality about it. We aren't sure what is going to happen next, and many of us are truly afraid in ways we've never been before. Some of us aren't sure how to feel. We've never felt like this before. But I do believe that all of you staying home but being together through whatever way you can is the most loving thing you can do for each other in these days. Science is not the enemy of faith. So this is going to challenge and test us in very different ways. I know some of you are feeling very cooped up. You feel like you have a very full house. You might like a few minutes of peace and quiet. I hope that this time is giving you that now. Some of you who work in healthcare are getting ready to feel incredibly overwhelmed in hospitals and nursing homes. And then there are those of you, many, many of you I'm sure, who are already feeling lonely and know that you will feel even more isolated than usual. This is a very, very hard time to be lonely when activities have ceased. And I think that our gospel passage from the Gospel of John has something to say to all of us this morning. And it is a very long passage, and we can see that you've logged in on live stream, and so you can give a virtual amen if you hear a line that resonates with you, so we will know that you are indeed paying attention. Let us listen together for the word of God. So Jesus had left Judea and started to go back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where the people must worship is in Jerusalem. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking with you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who has told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Here ends the reading. Let us pray. Meet us here, holy God, in the sharing of your word. For we know that no matter where we are in body, we are gathered together in your spirit. Amen. I love the church, and I know that you all do too. I love this room best when it is filled with all of you. I love our banner that says, Be the Church. It reminds us that the church is not this building, it is all of us together as a community. I love all we can be and do together. I believe the Holy Spirit gathers us and calls us to share in a mission that is God's mission. We feed people. We turn refugee apartments into homes. We send our youth out to simply smiles. We gather in this place to be inspired for the week ahead. To be reminded that we all share God's love with the world through our actions. But there is something that this passage tells me that stands in contrast to all of that. Sometimes it isn't the whole church. Sometimes it's just you and Jesus. You're sitting beside a deep ancient well and he's asking you for a drink. And he's telling you about living water and you're revealing your deepest self to him although he knows everything about you already. And he's sharing himself with you. And you are realizing that he chooses to love you just as you are and that somehow it's all going to be okay. Sometimes it's just you and Jesus. And you don't need anybody else for that time. Of course, you will go back, God's love for us turns us outward to share that love. But there is something sacred and holy for a time in just sitting there, just you and Jesus. This passage is unique in all of Scripture. This is the longest conversation that Jesus has with anyone. And it's not just anyone. It's exactly the wrong, the wrong sort of someone. Don't you love it when people say, no offense, but, and then they proceed to say something horribly offensive? This passage could begin with, no offense, but, because of where the story falls in the scripture. You see, Jesus has just had a middle-of-the-night conversation with Nicodemus. He was a religious elite. He was a scholar. He should have known it all. But he comes to Jesus hiding under the cover of night and Jesus tries to tell him what it's all about, and he just goes away confused. And then, in beautiful contrast to this, in the bright of day, under the noonday sun, this woman sits with Jesus. And she gets it. She's shunned. She has had to go to the well alone because none of her people would have gone with her. She is foreign. She's even an enemy. They weren't even supposed to share the same cup. This was breaking every cultural taboo for Jews and Samaritans. In every way, she was the wrong sort of person. But Jesus reveals himself to her. And she gets it. And he gets her. They understand each other. So what does this tell us about ourselves? About that invitation to sit there with Jesus, alone in all our complexity, in all our wrongness, with our full life story, with all our feelings, absurd as they may feel, nothing is going to surprise him. Nothing is going to have him look at us and think, you are wrong, because Jesus does not encounter us that way. There's a part of each of us that feels hidden and secret and shunned, a vulnerable side that we don't share, that feels different or lonely or scared. But when you're hiding all of that, you're not your truest self. Letting that out into the light is what makes you authentically you. For Jesus and for the woman, and this is what's so amazing to me about this passage. Here, Jesus also bears his full reality to her in a way he never did for anyone else. It's as though he's only comfortable being his true self in this moment with her. It's the first time he opens up to someone and says that I am statement, which is the name of God, Yahweh, I am. It's the first time he confesses who he truly is. Something about this one-on-one experience is powerful for both the woman and for Jesus. It's also the first time that the the word Savior is used in the Gospel of John. When all the people come and they see what's happened, that's where he's named the Savior. Something amazing happened here. Jesus promises the woman living water, and we who live with running water and a place right by the beach, water feels so abundant to us. But for the people at this time, the land was often parched, and living water represented for them the presence and the love of God. It also reminded them of their utter dependence on God, their identity as a people— was as people who remembered they had been enslaved in Egypt. And Egypt had the Nile River, which flooded its banks and watered the plants. But for these people, who have now come into the Promised Land, living water represents God's care. Every time it rains, every time you draw your bucket up from a deep well that you remember your ancestors had sat beside, you were remembering God's love for you through the water. This living water is fresh and flowing and abundant. So this woman gives Jesus a drink, and he teaches her that God's love is always with her. I know a lot of people who like to label themselves as introverts or extroverts. And I imagine all of you already know which one you are, right? But I think each of us has something we can learn from the other. Especially in these days, I think the extroverts can learn something from the introverts. What can come to light for you when you sit in peace and quiet? When you imagine that you are sitting just like the woman at the well? When you come to an awareness of how you are sitting alone but in the presence of Jesus? In these days when we are afraid, when we feel overwhelmed, when we are unsure of how to proceed. This passage reminds all of us to take this time as an opportunity for Sabbath, something we don't often allow ourselves anymore. It is a chance to be still and know that God is God. It is a chance to appreciate what matters most, to slow down, to try to connect with people in new ways, and to focus on your own personal relationship with God. If you are alone now, remember, you are never truly alone. Jesus is present with you. And if you are overwhelmed by people, if you work in a hospital or a grocery store, if you have a house full of people who require a lot of you, remember that you also are allowed to take your time to be alone. But be alone with God. Remember the essence of who you are. And remember that God knows all there is to know about you. God knows everything you have ever done. And God will still be present, beside you, loving you, supporting you, being that living water. Through it all, this is the good news. Amen.